Good morning. Thank you for joining us in the affirmation. Thank you for singing. We want to welcome all of our visitors to the Expanding Light and to the meditation retreat, our karma yogis, our seva yogis, and all of you, and all the people online. Thank you for joining us. It adds to the satsang when we come together. I'd like to read from, oh, my name's Naya Swami Ananta, and that's Naya Swami Maria. Be good if I forgot, huh? <laughs> the infinite Christ is our topic today. This is from Rays of the One Light. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Gospel of St. John contains some of the most profound spiritual teachings in the Bible. In the first chapter, many subtle truths are suggested concerning higher stage of self-realization. Here, John the Baptist is described as one reaching up toward that high state. Quote, he was not that light, the gospel tells us, but was sent to bear witness to that light. Jesus Christ, by contrast, is described as the light itself. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. One essential truth stands out in this teaching, that Jesus came not to dogmatize people with a new teaching, but to bring them timeless, universal truths. Disciples saw the master clothed in human form and therefore judged him in terms of his greatness relative to the greatness of other teachers. Wisdom, however, sees the master's very greatness in terms of a cosmic unity. There is a passage in the path by Swami Kriyananda in which this point is emphasized. The master, Paramahansa Yogananda, explained, the saint who attains that exalted consciousness never says, I am God, for he sees it was the vast ocean that became his little wave of ego. The wave, in other words, would not claim, when referring to the little self, to be the ocean. At this juncture, Devi, who was present, cried excitedly, but sir, if you are one with that ocean, that means you are God. Why I, Master asks, say he, he is God. But still, sir, you are one with him, and he is the only reality. That means you too are God. But this body isn't God. You aren't identified with your body, so one may still say that you are God. Well, in that case, why do you say you? You too are that. In a discussion of this sort, it is less confusing if we say he. But what's the difference? The scriptures say, Master began, it's only your humility, sir, Davy broke in, that makes you distinguish between yourself and him. How can there be humility when there is no consciousness of ego? Triumphantly, Davy cried, but if you have no ego left, that means you are God. Master laughingly continued the earlier statement, which Davy had interrupted. The scriptures say, he who knows Brahma becomes Brahma. There, said Devi, you said it yourself. 
<laughs> Master rejoined, still laughingly, I didn't say it. It's the scriptures that say so. Master, in other words, would not identify those words with the human body speaking them. It was in his overarching spirit that he saw himself one with the infinite. But Debbie was unable to make this mental leap from a pure expression of infinity to infinity yourself. You quoted those scriptures, sir, he reminded Master relentlessly. That means you agree with them. Recognizing that the distinction was perhaps too subtle for many to grasp, Master concluded, well, he who says he is God isn't God. And, he added with a smile, he who says he isn't, isn't. <laughs> and there the subject rested amid general laughter. The greater a spiritual teaching, the more greatly we betray it by particularizing it with dogmas. Truth itself, not the Christian truth or the Hindu truth, incarnates on earth with the birth of a fully liberated master. As the Bhagavad Gita teaches in the fourth chapter, unborn, changeless, Lord of creation and controller of my cosmic nature, though I am, yet entering nature, I am dressed in the cosmic garment of my own maya, delusion. O Bharata, whenever virtue declines and vice predominates, I incarnate on earth. Taking visible form, I come to destroy evil and reestablish virtue. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh. Oh. I'd like to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. <clears throat> and this one is entitled, Prayer Demand to the Holy Vibration for Omnipresence. O Holy Vibration, break the limiting boundary of my body consciousness. Reverberate through my body, mind, and soul through my surroundings, through all the cities and lands of this earth, through all the planets, throughout the universe and every atom particle of creation, unite my consciousness with thy cosmic consciousness. Hello, everybody. I think Swamiji was genius in giving us that reading today for this topic on the infinite Christ because just that tussle between Yogananda and Devi, the disciple, uh, I think it kind of relaxes us a little bit, makes us open to this uh, very lofty and humbling topic. Um, it's a very core topic to our understanding of what the spiritual life is, of what religion is. It brings us to that point of observance within and beyond all dogmas, 
all teachings and particular paths to understand the infinite. The only way that we have to go is in. People try mathematically, scientifically. People give it words. Even when we read Yogananda's autobiography in that wonderful chapter that has to capture our attention, experiences in cosmic consciousness, he writes his poem, Samadhi. And it's beautifully written. It's clearly written. It's vibrationally powerful. And yet, can we understand samadhi intellectually or by reading this poem? When Master says, take this inside, memorize it, repeat it daily, he's telling us to take it deep within, beyond the external. It's, that's the door. That's the door onto the infinite. In India, as most of you know, so many different expressions of God exist. Countless deities, gods and goddesses. And it's very confusing, naturally, to the Western mind. And many of the images are especially confusing and not easily at all understood. Uh, one such example is the image of Lord Jagannath. And Jagannath is a very colorful uh, image and a very creative expression, but it leads one to wonder. It's an image, the human form, with arms and legs truncated. They're not complete. They're not full. And you have this image that seems in some way compromised. Forgive me, my Indian brothers and sisters, but to the Western mind, it is by nature odd. And yet, Swamiji explains the symbolism. And it's made that way. It's shown that way. It is that image. Because how can you? How can you, through an image, convey the infinite? You cannot. It's whatever we try to do outwardly to convey that concept, that reality, it comes up short. It's incomplete. It is not perfect. It can't be done with words. It can't be done with images. And Davy, on behalf of all of us, is fighting to contain it. You know, Yogananda, you are God. I get it. You know, and just let's leave it at that. But Yogananda would not let him do it, will not let us do it. He says, Yogananda says, I want to give each one of you an experience of God. What a gift he is offering us, each one of us, unique as we are, an inner experience, an inner understanding of what that reality is, the reality that you cannot name, that you cannot capture in an image, that you cannot describe with words, and give us that experience, that tangible experience, personal to each one of us. When Kriyananda, Swami Kriyananda, saw Yogananda, whenever he saw Yogananda, Swami Kriyananda said, 
I look into his eyes and I see the infinite. He understood that. And what a blessing that is. Because who talks about God as the infinite? People don't, by and large, use that word. Because it doesn't mean a whole lot in and of itself. It's, or rather, because we don't understand the meaning, because there is no word, no exacting image, no one person divine, divinely channeling that, it's confusing. And we don't talk about it. People don't talk about it. The masters do, sometimes with the clarity that Yogananda did, the clarity that Christ did for those who could hear that and understand that. But by and large, it's not referenced. And Swami Kriyananda, an example very close to us, talked about that. And he understood that. And he brought it out front so that we could see it. And he believed, as Yogananda believes, that we can attain, we can realize an understanding of that. We can have that experience, that actual experience. And Swami Kriyananda celebrated that. You know, when he talked about discipleship, he talked about discipleship to the infinite. Now, discipleship is something that is so personal to each one of us, so unique to each one of us. And yet he, and he would talk about it, too, in that vein. But he would also talk about it as discipleship to the infinite. There was always that path, that directional orientation to a greater reality, as it says in the Festival of Light, O waves that we are on the bosom of the infinite sea, joyfully together let us celebrate our own greater reality. reality. Let us celebrate this. Let us talk about this. Let us orient our consciousness within that expanded context of the infinite. And this is really something quite different, I think. I know. Something very, very different. But we need to hold that within our aura. You know, God isn't asking us to understand it at this point. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to know it. We don't have to feel that this is way beyond me. We need to put it in front. We need to live with it. This is our greater reality. And this life is a trying to relate to that, to relate to the infinite. Because if we do, our consciousness will stay big. If we do, our consciousness will stay bigger, will open up bigger. And if we don't, if we say, I don't understand it, this doesn't relate to me, this isn't mine, we just start to get smaller and smaller and into the ego, which is the separateness from that reality. One time Swami Kriyananda, as a young disciple with Yogananda, Yogananda encouraged him, cultivate 
devotion. You must cultivate devotion. And so Swamiji very deliberately put energy into this and really tried. And he said at a certain point, he felt he had cause to feel a little satisfaction around this, that he was making some headway. He was cultivating some devotion. And then Swamiji says, but Master wasn't satisfied. <laughs> Master wasn't satisfied. And Master said to him, if you love yourself, how can you love God? Just cut right through it. <laughs> no room for the ego to say, I've got it. I've arrived. I've cultivated devotion. I've overcome this habit. And I'm not saying that we should be self-deprecating or you know, indifferent to the effort that we're putting out, that we're realizing. But to not grab onto it egoically is what Swamiji is saying. Because to the extent that we do that, to the extent that we pull it in to ourselves, to ego consciousness, we can't know God in that expanded way, in that infinite reality, in that greater reality. And so Swamiji makes this very real in daily life. He says, if we want to realize infinite mindedness, and these are the words he uses, infinite mindedness, so this is a part, this is a part of who we are, of what we can be. And if we want to know infinite mindedness, if we want to have that, then whatever grace, whatever blessing, whatever gift we receive in life, we need to offer that up to God, to not hug it, even in gratitude to ourselves. We need to just see everything as a part of that greater reality. Very practical, you know, so the infinite Christ, the infinite consciousness, we need to make that practical. We need to make that real. And as I said, Swamiji understood that. And he never lost sight of that. And so we were able and we are able, through reading his writings, listening to his music, to see that orientation and follow in those footsteps to build and open to that consciousness. He said, keep one foot always in eternity. Isn't that beautiful? Have one foot always anchored in eternity. But what does that mean? Where is it? What is it? But I was, as I was reflecting on that the other day, I thought, I think he's just saying, carry your meditation with you. Take it with you throughout the day. Take that consciousness. Take that devotion. Keep it right there with you. That's your foot. That's your foot in eternity, is that meditation, that inner experience of this greater reality. And specifically in meditation, I want to just highlight a few things here because, again, that, that word infinite can be remote. 
if we allow it to be. But we don't, it doesn't need to be remote. And Swamiji suggests that when we sit to meditate, he said, try before you even start your practice to feel yourself as though sitting in space above you, behind you, beneath you, in front of you, and try to feel what that reality is of just space. Nothing material, nothing of material consciousness, nothing of matter. Suppose space is a kind of relative matter, but already it gets us way out of, way out from, way up and out from things and distractions of the material world. And then he says to look into the eyes of the master and try to feel the consciousness there. If we can do that, we're tapping in to infinite consciousness. We're tapping into this greater reality. Just a little bit. Try to just feel that there is Swami Kriyananda did. When I looked into Yogananda's eyes, I saw there the infinite. So try to make that connection. And then remember, Yogananda talked about the spine as the highway to the infinite. That's the wording that he used, this highway to the infinite, that we are traveling when we meditate, that we are journeying on when we meditate. And we're moving along that highway with the masters, and we're going to the infinite. And it's a super highway. It's going to, as we put out energy to walk on that highway, it's going to be magnetically drawing us to that reality. And Yogananda says, when we concentrate at the spiritual eye in meditation, when we focus our attention here intensely, deliberately, one-pointedly, it's from this point that our consciousness is projected to cosmic consciousness. These are little things, but these are great things, and not to be easily overlooked. Remember them. Recall them to mind for a moment or two. Take the time to connect in that way deeply when you start to meditate at the beginning of your meditation. I had a very interesting uh, experience uh, sometime recently. I was uh, coming over to lead a retreat here at the Expanding Light. And I had just a few moments, and I was just about headed out the door, and I saw Yogananda's picture, the one where he's standing on the boat, that image of God's boatman. And I looked at that picture, and it was so compelling. I went to get whispers, and I started to read the poem. And something very interesting and unexpected happened. I was reading along just the very first words, and I felt like I was reading my words. That's never happened to me before. Those of you who know that poem, it's daunting. It's way above and out there. <laughs> it's of infinite consciousness to be able to say that, to be able to have that thought 
that whatever it takes, Divine Mother, I'm yours. I will come. I will incarnate. I will live this life, whatever it is, on your behalf. You know, to be that open, to be that selfless, that we would, you know, should I take God for myself and go to God, or should I come back here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it's so easy. Swamiji would say that to a lot, to us a lot. It's so easy to just think, I'm out of here. <laughs> Given the choice, I'm out of here. But Yogananda, that poem says, whatever you want, Divine Mother, I'll come back for the last one if there's one that hasn't yet merged with you. And so I'm reading this, and I'm not saying this is my consciousness. Get me right on this one. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, as I was reading it, I could relate on a different level than I ever had before to what Yogananda was saying and the consciousness behind that. It was very impersonal. It wasn't like, whippee, you know, or we're making some progress here, Divine Mother. It was just, it was totally impersonal. And that's why, and I feel it was for all of us in that way because as we go along on this path and we're putting out the energy that each of us is and the devotion and the dedication and the sincerity, Divine Mother is taking care of our spiritual life, is taking care of our realization, is bringing us home. And we have to know that our consciousness is going to view things differently and experience them differently accordingly with that. And so to just see it in that way, it was like, you know, again, very impersonal. There wasn't even a, really a thought there. It was just, I can, you know, I can feel a part of this consciousness. And that's where we're all headed, is to the infinite. Just keep doing what we're doing and the way that we're doing it, and even better, as Gyanamata says, and that infinite greater reality will be more and more what our consciousness is. I was reading recently of a story, and I'd <clears throat> like to just close with this, uh, because it too, it just speaks to where we're headed, and truly the progress and the readiness for more that is all of ours. And <clears throat> Swami Kriyananda had the opportunity to meet a disciple of Yogananda's, uh, Warren Vickerman. And Warren learned as a very young man how to meditate. His individual path just led him along that way. And it wasn't until much later in life that he met Yogananda. But he heard Yogananda was going to be in town and going to give a lecture. And he thought to himself, I've been to so many lectures. And what I want is breathlessness. And by this time in his own practice, he had come so close. But he still couldn't realize that state. And. So he met Yogananda at the hotel where he was staying, and he just knocked on the door. Yogananda opens the door. He introduces himself and then just says, can you give me breathlessness? I mean, there just wasn't, there wasn't any other exchange there. 
And Yogananda, in the same vein, just said, yes, I can. And Warren Vickerman, as he was describing this to Kriyananda, he said, as I stood there, Master touched me on the chest, and I went into a breathless ecstasy. Just right then and there. I don't know whether he sat down, remained standing, fell to the floor, but there it was. And his, read, you know, his readiness, his preparation, his dedication, all of that had just taken him to this point, the edge of the precipice. And Master just touched him, and there it was. And I think for all of us, we can't discount what we are doing. We can't belittle the effort that we are making. And we can't ignore it either. We can't just say, oh yeah, it's all gonna take care of itself. It's all Divine Mother. It's all, you know, it's the infinite. It's out there. I know I'll get there. I mean, that's all true, but I, I don't think we can just be casual about it either. We have to know that that's where we're going and dynamically try to open to that in every meditation, in every form of service, in the whole of our life in God.